My name is Dr. Joshua Knapp. I'm a board-certified clinical psychologist and 21st century Christ follower. Early in life, I experienced overwhelming psychological suffering, which led me down a path of wandering away from the Christian faith in my adolescent years, reminiscent of the lost son in Luke's gospel, returning to my Christian heritage in my early 20s, my own psychotherapy in my mid-20s, and ultimately a life committed to understanding and pursuing psychological and spiritual health as I now head into the middle years of my life. Please join me as we devote each week to better understanding secular and Christian perspectives on mental health and the intersection between psychology and Christianity. Then engage in a 10-minute practice to conclude each episode, drawing upon Christian meditation, prayer, and contemplation. Above all else, my aim in this podcast is to journey with fellow Christ followers, as well as those who are curious about the rich heritage of Christian psychological and spiritual insights into the human condition, doing so with humility and curiosity as we strive to cultivate Christ-likeness in all we do. Hi, this is Dr. Joshua Nab, and welcome to the 15th episode of The Christian Psychologist. In this episode, I'd like to talk about a topic that I think is especially relevant for the Christian life. Given we live in a fallen, broken world and inevitably need to deal with a variety of difficult inner and outer experiences. The topic is stress. So to get us started, I think a few questions are important to consider for 21st century Christ followers. What is stress? What's a stressor? How are these two terms related? Where do these terms come from? What are some of the symptoms and sources of stress? How common is stress in contemporary society? What is the psychological impact of stress on daily life? How might we respond to stress? Whether it be changing our circumstances themselves or changing our interpretation of them. What might the Bible and classic Christian spiritual writings say about the topic, especially how to respond to environmental challenges? And ultimately, what are some of the ways 21st century Christ followers can respond to the inevitable stress of daily life, drawing upon historic Christian writings and practices? So, in terms of a few opening quotes to get us started, I think these quotes can be helpful in capturing the problem of and solution to stress in the Christian life. In Matthew, Jesus succinctly states, Do not worry. Also, in Matthew, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here we can begin to see the antidote to the stressors of daily life, turning to God, trusting in God, who is the benevolent king over all of creation and a benevolent king who will provide. The Roman emperor and philosopher Marcus Aurelius said, 
Quote, if you're distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your own estimate of it. And this you have the power to revoke at any moment. The early 20th century American psychologist William James notes, quote, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. The 20th century scientist Albert Einstein said, quote, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. And to offer one more quote, the 20th century psychiatrist Viktor Frankl fittingly declares, quote, everything can be taken from a man, but the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitudes to any given set of circumstances. So with these quotes, I think we can begin to see that the interpretation of stressors is just as important as trying to somehow eliminate them, especially when we cannot fully eliminate them in our surrounding environment. So before moving on to a definition and different interventions for stress within the secular psychology literature, I want to offer a few personal reflections in the form of a personal story. So in my own life, like most people, I've had a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak, of late. When people ask me how I'm doing, just like many others, I often go with the almost cliche response, busy. As a Christ follower, husband, father, church congregant, administrator, professor, research and writer, trainer, practitioner, So a long list of things that I try to fill up time doing. On any given day, I interact with many, many people and situations in my environment. And with the double-edged sword of the internet, it can be helpful and harmful at the same time. I get emails from people all over the country and sometimes even the world. Because of this, there are a wide variety of stressors sources of stress to deal with, which can become overwhelming on any given day, week, month, or year. So with all of these roles and responsibilities, I've realized that I often cannot control my environment, including the people and events, my resources I have available, and so forth. In other words, to always try to change the people or situations I come into contact with is not a winning strategy, given it's just not possible or realistic. In doing so and trying to do so, vital energy is spent trying to, as one author said, stop the waves of life. So instead of stopping the waves, the same author John Kabat-Zinn, a mindfulness author, says we can learn to surf. So you can't stop the waves of life, but you can learn how to surf. For me, learning to surf has involved doing a few things. First, I've learned to try to relate differently to many of the inevitable stressors of life, not futilely trying to eliminate them. And this is especially relevant when we think about people, maybe at times difficult people or circumstances we cannot change. A great example would be the COVID pandemic. We can take steps in our immediate environment to be safe, 
but there's a large part of that type of an experience that we cannot control. So if stresses are things that cause stress, and stress is the physical or psychological response to inner or outer stressors when we're facing a problem and don't believe we have the ability to effectively respond to it, I've learned that sometimes the best path forward is to change my interpretation of the situation, not the situation itself. So there's wisdom in recognizing that at times we really can't change our situations and we need to find ways to look at them differently. So for me, this is especially relevant as a 21st century Christ follower, given my mistake historically has been to believe I'm alone to face life's problems and challenges. Yet truthfully, I can't fix the world and I can't always fix my immediate environment. Instead, as a Christian, I've learned slowly, painfully, through Christian practices such as prayer, meditation, and contemplation, really with fellowshipping with God, to rely more on God's infinite goodness and wisdom, power and presence, not my own strength, not my own effort or my own intellect or my own talents and skills. So in other words, I can trust that God has a plan and is working everything out for the good, which helps me when I cannot change my environment and don't have the ability to problem solve my way out of the inevitable challenges of life. As a quick example, one of my favorite daily rituals is running, doing so in my neighborhood. Simply put, I love getting outdoors in the sun and fresh air to put things in perspective as I enjoy God's creation. When I run, I usually will recite the shorter version of the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, which helps me with the stressors of daily life and the stress that comes from not believing I have the resources to overcome them. Really learning to trust in God's mercy or loving kindness, especially when I feel powerless and uncertain, has been key for me. Although my approach is by no means perfect, I'd like to use today's time to discuss stress in general, including a secular psychology view of the topic, then explore a biblical understanding of the problem of and solution to stressors and stress in daily life. Although, as John Kabat-Zinn said, we can't stop the ways of life, we can learn how to surf. For Christians, this involves walking with God, surrendering to God, trusting in God, including His providential care or good governance by resting in His arms. So let's turn to the secular psychology literature to try to make sense of what this thing called stress is. The word stress is a relatively new word. It's contemporary in our society. And it's a common experience impacting physiological, psychological, relational, and I'd say spiritual functioning. Stress involves at least three components, according to the secular psychology literature. An environmental demand or stressor in the environment, our response to the demand, 
and our evaluation assessment of the demand. Interestingly, in the field of engineering, stress typically refers to the weight of something pressing down on a structure, which can lead to strain over time. Reminiscent of how many of us feel in our fast-paced, demanding, contemporary society where we struggle to find rest. And so when this happens, the structure is altered, often leading to wear and tear and a gradual deterioration. Again, which is how maybe many of us feel. Within secular psychology, psychologists often view environmental demands as similar to the load that steadily bears down upon a structure within the engineering profession. As another parallel strain or the impact that a load has on a structure within engineering tends to resemble the environmental stressors that impact us over time by gradually wearing us down. So in secular psychology, researchers tend to focus on either the stressor or our reaction to the stressor. When researching the stressor, a major life event, such as the death of a family member, troubled relationship, maybe a medical illness or other unexpected life transition, may lead to a stress response, whether psychological or physical. When investigating stress itself, researchers often emphasize the psychological impact a given stressor has on us focusing on the experience of stress, which may include feelings of sadness, frustration, maybe anger, confusion, or anxiety. So we have the stressor, the stress. As a somewhat newer area of investigation, researchers have more recently focused on the relationship between stressors in our environment and our ability to respond to these demands. As an example, one person may not experience an environmental demand as stressful if they believe they're able to effectively manage the stressor, manage the demand that comes from the environment. Whereas another individual may be overwhelmed by stress if they do not believe psychological resources are available to succeed or overcome whatever's before us. So a key element distinguishing these two experiences is the person's evaluation, what we might also call their appraisal, their assessment of the relationship between the environment and our response to the environment. So again, we have the stressor coming from the environment. It might be a job loss, a strained relationship, financial challenges. Then we have our response to it. We might approach the situation, avoid the situation, do something else. And then we have our evaluation of the stressor-stress response interaction. What are some symptoms of stress? Common symptoms may include feeling upset, overwhelmed, or out of control. Feeling nervous. Feeling like we are unable to cope with needed tasks, maybe even irritability and anger. Sources of stress might include finances or work life, the economy, 
the pandemic, family life, and so forth. As we collect data from surveys on the psychological experience of stress, in prior surveys, a good portion, sometimes maybe even as high as a quarter, a third, or more of Americans report their current stress level is negatively impacting either their physical or mental health with symptoms such as irritability, anxiety, loss of motivation, sadness, and fatigue. Stress in American life can even negatively impact sleep and our relationships. So what might be an intervention for stress in the secular psychology literature? Well, one model of stress suggests that we can look at our, the stimulus and our response and the relationship there. So this is Richard Lazarus's transactional model for making sense of stress. So when moving through life, there's an environmental stimulus or stressor, a job loss, for example, as well as our response. And in this interaction, we can't help but evaluate this stressor-response relationship, meaning that we interpret the situation in the environment and our ability to handle it or respond to it. If we go back to those, some of those early quotes from the beginning of the episode, it's our interpretation of what happens in life that's just as, if not more powerful than the actual environmental demands and our response to them. So when it comes to the actual accumulation of stress as a psychological or physical response to an environmental stressor, we interpret our relationship to the stressor as often involving an inability to effectively respond to it, given we don't believe we have the needed resources to cope, and this negatively impacts our well-being. So again, we have the stressor, these stressors are inevitable in life, then we have really our response and our beliefs about how well we think we can respond to the stressor. If there's a gap there, if we don't believe we have the resources, whether our own resources or uh, material resources, relational resources to respond, that's where stress begins to develop. We don't believe we have the resources to cope. After all, if we did, it wouldn't be a big deal. If the stressor was something we could respond to with ease, with effectiveness, then it's typically not going to lead to added stress. So with this in mind, it's important to consider how we actually cope with this environment response relationship. And I think there are at least two major types of coping. Problem-focused coping and emotion-focused coping. This, again, comes from the stress literature in secular psychology. So with problem-focused coping, we try to address the problem by changing our environment, eliminating the stressor, making changes to where the stressor is no longer pressing down on us. Sometimes this works, and we'll go with it, but many times it does not. What do we do when we can't eliminate the stressor? And on some level, life is a stressor and we can't ignore life. From a Christian perspective, we live in a fallen, broken world and there will inevitably be stressors. 
So oftentimes eliminating the stressors of life is not the most effective strategy. So problem-focused coping. Then we have emotion-focused coping. And with this type of coping, we try to change our interpretation of the environment response relationship. And this can be helpful when we cannot change our environment. We cannot change the stressors coming from our environment. In secular psychology, the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program is a highly popular program, MBSR, originating out of the University of Massachusetts and the work of John Kabat-Zinn, a mindfulness author and researcher. And it's been proven to help people with stress. Hence the title, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. The program draws upon Buddhist mindfulness meditation to help participants use mindfulness to really appraise stressors in the environment differently so they can effectively respond to both inner and outer demands. These inner demands may involve inner pain or outer demands might involve really stressors in the environment. In either case, the focus is on non-judgmentally observing the changes, the inevitable changes that take place within the mind and body, and then responding to them with compassion, openness, and curiosity. As John Kabat-Zinn, the developer of MBSR, revealed, quote, the meditative practice brings us face-to-face with our own minds and bodies as we watch our constant changing thoughts, feelings, sensations, perceptions, and impulses. So ultimately, MBSR, among other types of programs, focus on emotion-focused coping strategies. Given many environmental demands simply cannot be changed. Yet for Christians, we have a different reason to relate to our environmental demands in a different way beyond the pragmatic reasons offered by secular psychology. Because God is infinitely good, wise, powerful, and present, and because his good governance, his what's been described as providential care, extends to all of creation, we can trust that he has a plan and is walking with us through the inevitable stressors of life. So we can relate differently to these stressors with added confidence in order to get some of the relief we need from stress. And ultimately, Christian contemplative practices within historic Christianity with a theme of trusting in and surrendering to God's loving presence can be helpful in this regard, given we're cultivating confidence that we have a perfect Father who will care for for us as we face the inevitable stressors within a fallen, broken world. So in the Christian tradition, there are several practices, including Christian contemplation, that can help us change the way we evaluate environmental demands, given many of the stressors we face are unavoidable and we cannot eliminate them. So Christian contemplation might simply be defined as a present moment loving awareness of God's perfect love. Practicing God's presence with simplicity. Although stress isn't formally defined in the Bible per se, I think the Bible does offer a wide variety of stories and teachings on how to effectively respond to the stressors of life in this imperfect world. 
So the Bible as a sacred text for Christians, as well as writings from historic Christianity, can offer us a process for responding to environmental demands. And this process typically involves learning to put our faith in, trust in God in the midst of the storms of life. So as Christians, we can learn about and practice a a biblically inspired way, surrender to change our evaluation of stressors, given we can't always eliminate them. And I think this practice surrender is modeled by both scripture and the contemplative Christian tradition, especially when Jesus surrendered to the will of his Father in the Gospels. So by learning to surrender to God during moments of stress, we can turn to God to place our trust in him, drawing upon his infinite goodness, wisdom, power, and presence when the weight of life seems to be pressing down upon us on a daily basis and we don't believe we can cope on our own. Because we were born finite, dependent, and God is at the center, we have to learn how to trust in him when stressors arise, given we were never designed to go it alone. Turning to the Bible, imagine you're one of Jesus' disciples, fishing with him as you float in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, reminiscent of Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27. A storm begins to form, which leads to heightened anxiety. Of course, in this scenario, the storm represents the environmental stressor. In this experience, you quickly begin to assess what resources you have available to respond to the scary storm. And in this process, you immediately recognize that Jesus is with you. As this light bulb goes off, you realize Jesus has the ability to calm the storm and he is keeping you safe. Surrendering to him, you find much-needed peace in the process, acknowledging his power as you bask in the peace of the moment. So on a daily basis, we have the ability to trust in God's infinite wisdom, goodness, power, and presence. Recognizing that, that he knows all things, has an enduring, benevolent love for his creation, and has the power to orchestrate life's events in ways that are best for his people. Essentially, this means that we can trust in God's perfect care as a loving father, surrendering to him from moment to moment during instances of stress by valuing our relationship with him above anything else. When our relationship with God comes first, we're able to effectively respond to the stressors of life because we know God is with us offering us strength in our weaknesses, consistent with 2 Corinthians 12.9. As one more story in the Bible, of course, in Matthew, Jesus says not to worry, pointing to the lilies of the field and birds of the air to make the point that God will provide. In terms of classic Christian spiritual writings on contemplative prayer for daily stress, I think It's important to remember that the basic tenets of contemplative prayer slowly developed over the last two millennia, first with the early desert Christians who moved to the deserts of Egypt, Syria, in order to reject the materialistic society in which they lived. As they relocated to the desert, they longed for a more intimate relationship with God, 
turning to a quiet, barren landscape in order to radically depend on God's care from moment to moment. Along the way, they would often struggle with boredom, sadness, anxiety, worry, and other daily stressors, whether the stressors came from the outer world or the inner world. In response to this, they started to recite the Psalms as a way to stay focused on God's presence. And over time, these early desert dwellers began to relate to their inner experience with more patience and vigilance or watchfulness, getting to know their inner world with much more familiarity. And as they noticed these distracting thoughts and other inner experiences that they struggled with, given they had to face them on a daily basis and did not have distractions, they cultivated an inner peace, especially given that God was with them from day to day. An example of a powerful psalm here, Psalm 91 states, quote, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So I think this ability to surrender, not overly relying on our unilateral efforts to control, which often don't work, by focusing the mind on God in response to environmental stressors, this can be helpful for 21st century Christ followers who are struggling with daily stress. In support of this understanding, in a recent study, researchers found that religious coping, and specifically surrender, was negatively linked to stress among both undergraduate students and a community sample of pregnant women. So as these participants reported a greater willingness to surrender to God, they also reported less stress and stress-related symptoms. In my own research, in a two-week study, I conducted the Jesus Prayer, which we'll be practicing today as a contemplative practice, was helpful in reducing stress among Christian college students. So over a two-week period of time, we had them practice the Jesus Prayer every day as a coping strategy for stress, and we found that they reported their stress symptoms were reduced from the very beginning of the study to the end. So to summarize what we've covered thus far, stress is really a psychological and physical response to stressors based on our interpretation that we do not have the needed resources to cope. In response to these inevitable stressors, which give rise to the symptoms of stress, we can try to remove them and solve the problem, or we can try to change our evaluation of them. Problem-focused coping versus emotion-focused coping. For Christians, we can certainly try to solve problems in life. After all, God has given us a frontal lobe to do so and a a body of fellow believers to support, encourage one another, to respond to each other's needs. But in many instances, we will not be able to change our environment. When this is the case, like the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program, which has been helpful for many, many individuals in responding differently to stress. As Christians, we can use surrender and Christian contemplative practice 
to practice God's presence, focus our mind on God, and let go of the need to always fix, problem solve, and control in a fallen, broken world. So I believe this can bring us peace given we're learning to trust in God and relinquish the grip we have on a rapidly changing, often unpredictable environment. So to end this episode and offer a response to stress through contemplative practice, I'd like to engage in a 10-minute practice with the Jesus Prayer and a condensed version of it. So try to get comfortable in your chair, placing your feet on the floor, closing your eyes. Rest your hands on your legs or the arms of the chair. And when you're ready, begin to notice that you are breathing. Recognizing that God is giving you your breath as a gift from moment to moment. Right here and right now, you do not need to do anything to control your breath. Rather, God is sovereign over your breathing cycle and autonomic nervous system. Just notice your breathing, recognizing there's nothing you need to do to control it in any way. Now, Begin to recite the short version of the Jesus Prayer in your mind. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Doing so slowly, softly, and gently, and simply. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Breathe in by saying, Lord Jesus, recognizing that he is residing within your inner world in this very moment. Then breathe out by saying, have mercy. Exhaling to let go of your own efforts to control the environmental demands of life. Lord Jesus, breathing in, have mercy breathing out, letting go of all your efforts to control on your own and instead resting in God's presence. Lord Jesus, breathing in, have mercy breathing out. Lord Jesus, breathing in, have mercy, 
breathing out over and over again. Breathing in an awareness of God's presence and breathing out all efforts to control, letting go of our efforts to control our environment. Again and again, inhaling and exhaling, aligning the prayer with our in-breath and out-breath in a gentle, compassionate manner. Lord Jesus, breathing in, have mercy, breathing out. Breathe in Jesus' presence, finding rest in your relationship with him, given he's with you and caring for you. Recognize he is the Lord of your life, which means you do not need to do anything in this moment other than acknowledging his sovereignty, love, and infinite wisdom. Then breathe out as you say, have mercy. Truly letting go of the grip you are trying to have over the stressors of your life. See if you can imagine actually surrendering your life to him, including all of the things that have overwhelmed you in the last week or so. In this moment, you're asking Jesus for loving compassion, recognizing that he understands your predicament and is responding to you in your time of need. Again and again, breathing in, Lord Jesus, then breathing out, have mercy. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Slowly, softly, simply. Lord Jesus, breathing in, have mercy, breathing out. Each time you say the prayer, try to sink deeper and deeper into an awareness of his presence. He's with you, sustaining you, offering you loving compassion in your time of need. Because he's infinitely wise, loving, and powerful, and present, he knows the best path for you and is walking with you as you face the stressors in life. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Breathing in, Lord Jesus. Breathing out, have mercy. Letting go of all efforts to problem solve right now. 
and instead recognizing that God has a plan for you and is providentially providing for you in this very moment. So you can rest in that and let go of a preoccupation with all the stressors in your life. You will persevere because God is with you. Lord Jesus, breathing in, have mercy breathing out. Recognizing God is with you and offering you his loving kindness and letting go of all else. Lord Jesus, have mercy. And as this practice comes to a close, see if you can give thanks to Jesus, recognizing that he's been ministering to you in your time of need over the last 10 minutes and beyond. See if you can ask him to continue to be with you throughout the rest of your day, turning to him over and over again by reciting the Jesus Prayer as a symbol of your ability to let go and allow God to take the lead and to trust that he will work things out for good. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes again and reorient yourself to your environment. So to conclude this episode, stress is a major challenge for us in life. 21st century stress in particular poses many, many unique challenges. And we can try to eliminate the challenges in our environment, which sometimes works, many times it doesn't. And so we need to be able to respond differently to the stressors of life and to find some confidence in our ability to persevere For Christians, this means we can learn to trust in, through Christian contemplative practices, God who is infinitely good, loving, powerful, and present. And by doing so, we can really turn to emotion-focused coping, not overly rely on problem-focused coping. Although both are needed, the latter helps us to learn to rest in God's loving arms and have confidence that he will see us through. So I hope this episode has been helpful and you will tune again, tune in again to another episode of The Christian Psychologist. Thank you.